We're going to start with uh, Galatians chapter 5. This has been our, our foundational text for our Wednesday night services. And we've just been talking over the last several weeks just about how we grow to become more Christ-like. Galatians chapter 5 describes the fruit of the Spirit in this way. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there is no law. I've written in your notes that once we believe upon Jesus, we should devote ourselves to growing deeper in that faith by abiding in Christ. And then here's my oops for the night. You love this? Instead of let is, let us. Let us strive to always be fruitful in the service of the Lord. And that's really... uh, what the next portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at uh, allows us to begin to understand how how are we going to be fruitful and how is this fruit going to remain? And so if you would join me uh, back in John's gospel, chapter 15, we're going to begin in the first verse. And I'm just going to take my time and meander down through the 17th verse and just follow along with me. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, if you have a Bible like mine, these words are in red, which means Jesus is speaking to us. The setting is a very sacred setting because this is just prior to him being offered up as our sacrifice. This is hours before his crucifixion. And so here he is with his disciples in the upper room, and he begins to talk in a very personal and a very compassionate way to them. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, Then he laid down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the father in my name He may give you these things. I command you that you love one another. I've laid out a series of questions that I I just want to go through briefly. 
And then that's going to be our springboard for our discussion time. But before we get to those questions, let's go to the bottom of our outline. And I've made this statement. When we're rooted and grounded in an abiding relationship with Christ, we'll keep growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Now, the passage of Scripture that I just read, we have to really be careful when we're looking at this text that we don't filter it through an improper lens. And some of the things that Jesus said, if you do not filter it through what he is really meaning by what he says, and you're interpreting it through maybe your experience with those that are in authority, and that that could be you could have had a really challenging and difficult experience with someone that says they love you and yet they didn't treat you or handle you in the way that you you thought love should handle you of course we have to understand that in this setting it's jesus and his closest companions his 12 disciples that he has chosen but he is now speaking speaking very plainly with them up until this time he had spoken many times Uh, metaphorically through parables unto them. But now he's speaking in a very, very clear and understandable language. I think he's answering a lot of questions that maybe they, you know, have been asking or have been pondering or thinking. And now we're in this, you know, setting with Jesus and having the opportunity to sort of learn and grow as the disciples did. Now, being a disciple of the Lord is is means that we've made a commitment not just to accept Christ but to follow on to know him and to bear fruit and uh, discipleship is um, is something that we're called unto but we still have to accept that call and walk that path so let's begin by looking at some of the questions and I start off with the obvious I think that's always a compassionate and kind way to start and and when you're trying to read your Bible and understand uh, how to interpret it, you start with the obvious. You start with the subject matter, and that's what we're going to do. So who is the vine? The vine is Jesus. So we understand who the vine is. All right, who's the vine dresser? It's the Father, our Heavenly Father. Okay, who are the branches? We are, and who are we? We are his disciples. We are his believers. So we understand now sort of everybody's role and where they fit within the framework of this conversation and this teaching that Jesus is having. Jesus is the vine. The father is the vine dresser. The father oversees all of the activity in the vineyard or all the activity of the son. And we are the benefactor of all of the work and activity of the father and the son. We can't abide or we don't know where to abide without first of all knowing the purpose of Jesus and the father and so in understanding who the father is and why he sent the son that caused us to make a decision that I'm going to live my life by trusting in him the moment that we did that we begin to abide in the vine At one time, we were apart from the vine, but now we are connected and grafted into the vine. So the Father and the Son have drawn us into this relationship. This is what is known in Scripture as covenant, that God has made a covenant with us. So we're going to talk about the significance of a covenant, and that is that God has a part, but we have a part. 
God has a role, but we have a role. He has a responsibility. We have a responsibility. And that's the way that all healthy relationships work is there's always reciprocity. There's giving and receiving. There's not taking. There's giving and receiving. And then in that environment, there's growth and development. And not only can it can it begin, it can remain. Things just don't have to fizzle out. Now, the setting in which Jesus is, is speaking, of course, is in the upper room. But the illustration is one that was very, very familiar to those that were a part of this culture. It was about a vineyard. And Jesus talked about a vineyard quite a bit in his ministry and used vineyards as a means of communication so that the people could understand what he was saying. Now, in a vineyard, there's always work to be done. Anyone who has ever had a garden or who farms knows that not only do you want fruit, you want the fruit to continue all the way to the end of the season. You don't want something to come in and cause that harvest not to be bountiful. The reason that uh, a garden is such a great illustration is because metaphorically can speak of a work that God does in our heart. He wants that work to be ongoing and continual all the days of our life. He just doesn't want to enter into our life and not be able to cultivate and work and develop us to the fullness of the potential that we can be in Christ. So God the Father and God the Son have welcomed us and brought us into his vineyard and he is the vine and we are the branches. So let's go to the next question. What does fruit represent in John 15? When you think about fruit, what are some things that come to your mind that fruit would represent? Our relationship, our relationship with the Lord. We could say it's the evidence of our relationship is the fruit. And if you're in a relationship with the vine and the vine dresser is working in your life, then there's going to be evidence or there's going to be fruit that that activity is happening in your life and in my life. So when we think about fruit, we think about also the development of our character to become more like him. And that happens not apart from him. That happens as we are connected to him. That happens through that abiding. Now, have you ever thought about the word abiding? The word abiding and maybe what that really represents and what it all includes? Give me some other words, some synonyms for abide. What are some other words that you think of when you think of the word abide? To follow. Loyalty. Understanding. To dwell. To remain. To stay close. To live with. Very good. All of those are very, very much in... You talk about synonyms when you take a word and then you describe what it actually includes. It includes many, many facets. 
one of the facets that I like about this that I'll just use as an illustration is it means, uh, as Andy said, to live. And God wants us in a relationship with him where we understand that he is our home. He's the house. And that God wants us to treat our relationship with him not like a hotel, but like a homeowner. You know, a hotel, there's nothing personal about a hotel. I mean, you check in and you didn't get to pick the bed or the dresser or the mirror. You didn't, you know, get to, to pick out the, the bathroom accessories. or It was already picked out for you. And you're just staying there how long? Maybe just overnight. You're not staying in a hotel that long. You're checking in and you're checking out. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is God wants you to make, make, uh, make this, this commitment and be dedicated by abiding and remaining and living and having your life in him. Now, the nice thing about a house is that you have ownership of it. I, I mean, and, and with that, equity happens. You know, in a hotel, you give them your money and your money's gone. And, and what you have to show for it is, is, uh, you know, uh, you just got a good night's sleep, got cleaned up, and you hit the road, and you went to the next place. Well, in a home, you get to pick out all of the furnishings. You get to personalize it. It becomes something that you're proud of, and you get to, you know, uh, do that. But guess who's working with you and sort of fixing up the home? The vine dresser's working. The father's always working. Now, when we understand that he's working for our good and not for our harm and that he loves us with an unconditional eternal love, then we're probably a little bit more open and receptive to him coming and working in us and doing the things that need to be done. And one of the things that he does is, uh, is uh, we'll get to that here in a minute, is something that sometimes we some recoil at, but I, I don't want us to. Uh, when we get there, I think you'll understand that a little bit more. So uh, the next question is, how can we bear fruit that remains? How can we bear fruit that remains? And it's the word that is the most prevalent in this reading. What was Jesus talking about? He's talking about us as the branches. But what should the branches do if the fruit's going to remain? We need to abide. That's why I wanted to give you the definition before. God doesn't want us to check in and check out. Just go to him when we, need, when we have a need. Just go to him when things are challenging. Just go to him you know, when, when we're overwhelmed. He wants us to, to dwell and to live with him. And for him to do that work in us that needs to be done. So what does the vine dresser do to the branches that do not bear fruit? And this is where sometimes people are like, now this is a little too close to the vest for me. What does he do? He prunes. And now all of a sudden we're like, God, you're meddling. You're... And we were glad to come and get connected to the vine and receive forgiveness and the great gift of salvation. and But let's not stop there. Let's grow in our relationship. Let's grow in our understanding. Let's grow in our faith. 
in order for that to happen, there's some stuff that he has to prune. He has to remove. Now, do we get mad at a master gardener because they go out and they prune in their garden? We understand why they're doing it. Why do they do it? You get a better crop. You get more fruit. You know, there's just certain things in our life that are just not, they're just uh, taking up sap. <laughs> they're just not going to, they're not going to produce anything. There's certain attitudes. You ever had an attitude that God had to prune out? You ever had a lifestyle choice that God had to address you about? Why is he doing that? Because he's a bully or because he loves you? Because he wants your life to be more fruitful and beautiful? Yes, because he wants our life to be more fruitful and beautiful. Can you see, if we recoil at this, what is that an indicator of? That we need to understand who the Father and the Son are at a more intimate level. That's what abiding does. Because the more that you understand who they are, then the more you welcome what they want to do in your life. And you're no longer threatened by them. No longer are they coming in and invading your space and taking over your life. But you understand you're in a covenant relationship with them. And that you're abiding in them and they're working in you so that you have a beautiful life that represents fruit or the evidence of them changing you. But have you ever told the Lord, that's not something I really want to discuss right now. That's not something I want you to be meddling with or to be touching at this time in my life. But when he does and the work is completed and there's more fruit and the fruit continues to remain, then we're glad that we submitted to the work of the vine dresser. So we can't recoil from the Lord. We want to be more fruitful. So we have to understand more about the father and the son. So here's the next question. What does the vine dresser do to those who are not a branch? Yeah. Now, I want to bring us back to, well, gosh, that sounds harsh. Almost unjust or unfair. But let's understand once again that if things in the, this is, this is the just or the righteousness of God. Uh, I have uh, some shrubs in, in our yard. And uh, two of them are rows uh, of Sharon's. And so they, they bloom in the spring. And they're beautiful. But they're squirrels that are planting other seeds in the midst of this particular, these particular bushes, like maple seeds, the little helicopters that come down in the spring and the squirrels will gather those and they'll plant them all over the place or they'll just plant themselves wherever there's some open ground. Well, I want my Rose of Sharon's not to be choked out by things that aren't Rose of Sharon's. So what do I do? 
I go in there and I prune out everything that's not a Rose of Sharon and I throw it into the fire. Now, am I being mean? No, I'm protecting, I'm protecting that bush. So in the, in the analogy here and in the story, what we're understanding is the vine dresser and the vine are wanting everybody to be attached and everyone to be a part. Everyone is welcome. It's a whosoever gospel. Anyone can come. Those that choose not to come have already chosen the path for their eternity. That wasn't God's choosing. That was their choice. And so God, in his just and righteous nature, just puts them over in the pile where they belong. There's another parable that Jesus told along these lines when about the wheat and the tares. Do you remember that parable? And Jesus said, let them both grow together. And in the end, when the harvest come, we'll separate them out. Now, who does the separating? The vine dresser. It's not my responsibility. It's the vine dresser's responsibility. My, re- my responsibility in my relationship with the Lord is to stay connected to him, to abide, to live, to dwell, to follow to have my being in him. That's my responsibility. My responsibility isn't anything other than that. I can't bear fruit apart from him. I can only bear fruit in him. I can't do things apart from him. I can only do things with him and in him. And so that is the part of the covenant that I need to be keeping. And I do that by faith. And if I'm in that posture and in that position, well, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I get pruned occasionally. But then once the process of the pruning is done and there's more fruit, I'm pleased that I allowed him to do that work. Let's continue here. What is the result of abiding in Christ and abiding in God's word? What is the result? And you can look at verse 7. What is the result of abiding in Christ and in God's word? You can ask for anything that you desire, and it will be done. But what is going on? What's the end result? That's, that's one of the things that does occur. Because what happens if we're abiding in him and we're abiding in his word, what's getting pruned out of us? Anything that we would ask that wouldn't be in keeping with his will. Any ungodly desires, any unhealthy desires. So I'll give you an example. It's not really a godly prayer to pray that God would send lightning on your enemies. God is going to prune that out of you. That's a bad attitude. (laughs) And uh, it's not good if you don't get along with your mother-in-law that you wish a truck would come by and hit her as she crossed the street. That's not really a godly thing. And so that's probably going to get pruned out. How's it going to get pruned out? Well, when I'm abiding in him and abiding in his word, there's a great exchange that happens. His ways and my ways become one. And I get aligned with him. And as we abide in him and his word abides in us, what happens? He's glorified. Our life is not about ourselves. 
We're not asking the Lord to bless what we put our hand to. We're just aware that where we put our hand, he is going to bless. We're not asking him to bless all of our plans. We're following his plan and the blessings come upon us. Remember Psalms 23 said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the, dwell, all the days of your life and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we're dwelling and abiding and living in God, the blessings come on us and overtake us. Next question, how will people recognize we are his disciples? We'll bear much fruit. Loving one another, absolutely. Actions, actions like keeping his commandments. The obedience, acts of obedience, keeping his commandments. And what's the primary commandment that he talks about in this teaching that we should be working to keep? Loving each other. No, we are as diverse as the physical body. The body of Christ is a beautiful and an eclectic Diverse group of people. And the world is a powerful witness to the world when we love each other. And that's an incredible, incredible witness. And they can't deny because they know we're different. You know, they know we have differences. Wouldn't it be terrific? Just absolutely terrific. If people across the body of Christ preferred and honored one another, which sort of leads us to our next question, which is this. What's the difference between a servant and a friend? Right. Servant is... is hired for a purpose and we serve the Lord but there's also this covenant relationship we're the we're the people of God and he's our God we're his people we're the friends he calls us friends so he shares things with us that maybe you know just a servant isn't privy to I think it's important that all of us should be serving and active in service for the Lord But I think the best type of service comes from a friendship with God. When you and I first and foremost form that relationship with God, serving is what comes from it. If we do it in opposite, if we try to serve God in order to earn his friendship, then when do we ever serve enough? Another way to put it is, when is good good enough? When do you when when are you ever done? But if you develop an abiding friendship with God, service is the result of that. You just want to serve Him because He shared things with you. 
and you know things and he's changed you. Sometimes religion is really close to redemption until it's not. They can look really similar. People doing good works, people having good morals, people having good ethics. But religion is our attempt to get to God on our own. Redemption is God coming down and establishing a relationship with us that we could not do apart from him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. That doesn't mean you can't tie your shoe, but in a sense, if you want to break it down to the smallest detail of life, you can't tie your shoe if he didn't give you a brain. He's more involved, more active. He participates more in our daily life than what we ever imagined. And then the test, the test of love is what? Keeping his commandments. Jesus said, you know, I'll I'll know, I'll know, I'll understand that you're my disciples if you keep my commandments. Once again, I want to draw back the curtain a little bit here that if you have a friend and your friend puts qualifiers on your friendship, like, hey, I know you'll be my friend if you do whatever I say, Vern. Well, that almost sounds like it's like a codependent, unhealthy relationship. But this isn't me talking with you. This is Jesus talking with us. And the reason that he can make that statement is because he has already done everything that he can. He's just waiting on us to do our part. That's part of our covenant. That's part of our response to what he has already done in loving us and calling us into this union, into this relationship. So here we are, the big finish. What have we been chosen and appointed by God to do? And you can look in verse 16. What have we been chosen and appointed by God to do? Say that again, Dee. Produce lasting fruit. Produce lasting fruit. I'm amazed at uh, the people that are master gardeners, let's say flowers, and they'll have on their properties various types of plants and flowers. And the perennials may come up first and bloom, And then after them, another set of perennials will come up. And then another set will come up all through the seasons. And then they sprinkle in annuals. So that there's always color. And that the fruit or the flower remains all the way from spring into the fall. Uh, I love the. The, the picture here, that that's what our life should be in all seasons and situations in life. We have the possibilities of bearing fruit and the fruit would remain. It happens because we decide to do one thing. That's it. It's really, he does it, all the other stuff. Abide in him. If we abide in him. 
We're going to grow in our faith. We're going to grow in our understanding of friendship, of covenant, of love, obedience. It all comes from that. How is a person changed? How does transformation actually happen? Because we see a lot of behavior modification in the world, and we even see it in the church. You know, people, you know, trying to right their wrongs, people trying to go back and amend for all the things that they have regrets over. That, that's not Christianity. Christianity is coming and surrendering to a loving Savior and allowing His love to transform us. And that's what brings transformation. That's what brings change. That's what brings permanent change. And that what is what brings change through all the seasons of our life. All the seasons of our life. I want to finish, uh, if you'll allow me to, Let's go to back to the Psalms. And I want to invite our, our praise and worship team to come to the platform. Psalms. Ninety two. And let's look at verse 12 down through 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. That's fruit that remains. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's a Christian life. Abiding in Christ. Abiding in God's word. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.